Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Friday. It's March 15th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. March 15th is the Ides of March, buddy. That's and true. This is, and now, right after Pi Day, by the way. Pi Day, yesterday. Now, Ides of as, March your, today. as your boss... Are you planning on, hmm. excuse me, as a, as my I, I, as my own boss, am I planning on, no, are you no, saying sorry, I'm Yerba? Yeah, crap, I screwed that up. I'm your boss. Yeah, nice job. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay, so great I'm, one. Great joke, by the way. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I was just wondering, yeah, I, I screwed this up because I was going to do a Julius Caesar assassination joke, but um, I think I already blew it. All right, anyway, we're going to talk a NBA. <laughs> sad. It's sad for everyone. Involved. It really was. I I really was. I didn't, I thought, I was like, I'm going to do something about Julius Caesar here. About We've all been boss. there. We're all getting so excited. It was like, remember that summer camp talent show we were at? Let's go deep for a second. And the, the, the one girl gets up there. I don't want to say her name and embarrass her because she probably listens to the show now, but. I think you've already embarrassed ourselves, but when you start off with summer no, no, camp no, 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 talent no. show. It was a summer camp talent show. We were young. We all been young once, but she gets up and she's like ready for her big joke. She's like, why couldn't the two cantaloupes get married? And someone's like, what? And she's like, because they cantaloupe. Damn it. Oh, was, it supposed to be mel- was it supposed to be melons? Like, yeah, why can't the two melons go Brutal. Yeah. You only get one chance. Yeah, so you're camp. like her now. Yeah. Summer camp talent shows. All right. Day, uh, I was going to give a read, but I'm not going to do that. It's Friday, March 15th. We got an uh, eight-game Friday NBA slate here. Uh, coming off um, a, coming off a night last night where we just saw a crazy chalk. And I, usually we see this more toward the end of the season. But last night we had, I think on FanDuel, something like four guys. Well, there was definitely four guys. And I want to give the percentages of something like 85% or higher owned in cash. And that was Lynn. Obviously, we yeah. know Lowry. Leonard, uh, Siakam, and Marcus Saul, and that was those other two guys were because there was no Abaca. Do you think we see more of this heading down the stretch? I feel like some of these teams aren't tanking as hard, but I'm. But we also aren't into the very thick of it where the guys, like the real great players, just get straight up benched. Although I'm wondering if we're not even going to see as much of that this season because the NBA I think has sent down from on high. Hey. Like, get your crap together here. Like, play your guys. I, I hate to tell you. Like, I get that everyone's trying to lose because that's the rules. But Anthony Davis is still going to – Anthony Davis, I hate to tell you, but Anthony Davis is still playing. Like, LeBron is still playing. So, like – Yeah, we're going to send our doctors over there, and they'll they'll look at them, and they'll let you know. If yeah, like, we just can't have that. And we'll discuss rule changes maybe with the draft later on. But, like, for for now, you just have to just play the guys. Do you think we'll see less of, like, the Tyler Ulysses at 99% for – three straight weeks or whatever it felt like i think that was last season or yeah. do you think or do you think or do you think we're coming down to it because we we just haven't gotten fully down to the end yet like i'm not i'm having a little trouble evaluating i'm, I'm using a bad example because toronto is not one of the teams that fits this although but i'm using it as a i don't know toward the end of the season it does feel like this kind of thing happens more and more it, it does and well it's funny because what happens is so take a team like toronto they're still capable of winning games without their stars also in a lot of matchups because there are so many teams on the other side that are playing for nothing because they've lost so many games, right? So, like, if, if you look in the East, I mean, Milwaukee and Toronto are almost surely set as one and two. Like, it'd be hard for Toronto to make up three lo- three games in the loss column uh, with just 13 to play. So it just seems like it's just not going to happen. Then you got Indy and Philly 
are probably three and four in some order, and they're just kind of jockeying for position, but neither of them has been a particularly bad offender of sitting people for no reason. Uh, Boston, they're, they're just Boston. I don't think they care very much uh, where they land. But after that, like Boston will not get caught by Brooklyn, right? right? So those top five teams in the East really don't have a whole lot to play for, and I don't blame them for playing for the playoffs. Like that again, that's how the league is set up. Wins you get no marginal benefit from wins <laughs> between now and the playoffs if you're going to be in and you're comfortable with your seating. Uh, and then in the West, all the playoff teams are established already, and it's only about seating. So you could probably make an argument that teams like the Clippers and Spurs and stuff like they'd almost surely rather play Denver rather than Golden State. But after right. that. Is there a material difference between playing Denver and Houston? I don't know. Is there a material difference between playing Portland and OKC? I don't know. So, I don't know. There's just not much to play for. This is like one of the risks you take when you have a long season. And we see uh, with the bad teams too. And we, you know, I used the Euless example from the Suns last year. We, at times we've seen yeah. it from the bad teams. And yeah, some of these bad teams haven't really signaled that that's their plan. Like the Mavericks are still running Doncic out there for out from mm-hmm. you know a lot of minutes. The Grizzlies are still playing Conley a lot. We, we talked about the Pelicans. They they've kind of played. They're you know sort of playing the middle ground with Davis at this point. Uh, we'll talk about the Lakers a little bit with LeBron here coming shortly. And then Minnesota is like the one team that's sort of doing it. They sat. Although they played Wiggins last night, so I don't even know. So I, I don't know. And then and then other teams like the Cavs and the Knicks and to some degree the Bulls are already so bad and even when guys sit for them it kind of doesn't matter because everyone just kind of plays their minutes and it just doesn't seem to have too much of an effect we'll get to, and we'll talk some of these specific teams when we break this slate down game by game and there is some injury stuff that i want to discuss but we're going to kick it off here with something i threw in the chat last night and i think i talked to you about before we even uh, got on the podcast and that is i i stopped myself from putting a picture of him on the front page this time but blake griffin uh, is gonna host yeah, yeah, yeah. the is gonna host the Lakers. <laughs> They're seven. I'm laughing, man, because well, they're seven and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how many words you've written about Blake Griffin this year. I've written a lot. Um, it's in the, at least in the last couple weeks, not one single time has it worked out. I mean, you can maybe make the case against like, the second game against Chicago where he went twenty eight six and five. It sort of like didn't just completely crush your soul. But now, <laughs> okay, Detroit's in the. Play- <laughs> I can't even get through this, man. Detroit's in, in the playoff hunt here. They yeah. they need to they need to keep winning. Uh, they're in the seventh seed. They play the Lakers, who have essentially packed it in. He's down to seventy seven hundred on DraftKings. Now, of course, there's a price at which you'll play anybody. Because if I sold you Blake Griffin was a dollar, you'd play him. So that at that point, you need everyone needs to agree that there's a price. Do we just do it again? Are we rolling Blake Griffin back at seventy seven hundred? I I know our premium members are going to have a torrent of complaints when they see this guy. And I'm just, I'm mostly just figuring out how I want to handle it because I think I think we're going to have him 100%. Yeah, the answer is yes. You're going to play Blake Griffin on DraftKings at 7,700. There's a chance you should consider doing it at 8,400 on FanDuel. And I guess that, or and I get that that part is going to be rightfully scary based on the recent track record. It's, it's crazy with the Pistons right now, man. I mean, like you said, they really do have to be winning these games and they're not, which puts them in a really kind of precarious spot because most of the teams that are trying to win right now are winning, but they lost two really, really bad games to yes. the two te- to two teams that they are supposed to really try to be beating. Like Brooklyn and Miami are literally the sandwich on the record board, <laughs> uh, the leaderboard between uh, in the East there. So two back-to-back 30-plus point losses to two rivals in the East. They've got to turn it around at some point. You would think, right? Because nothing has really fundamentally changed. I mean, they had just won and, five in a row before that. So, like, it's not like... And and one of those wins was against Toronto. I mean, like, yes, they've gotten completely destroyed these last two games, but that's not... But again, like, so right. So the combination of them needing to turn it back around and Blake himself, you, you just keep... Like, 
It's like when you're flipping a coin with someone and it just lands on heads eight times in a row, like oftentimes the coin actually is weighted or there's some problem with it. But as you look at Blake's game log, like you can make really good reasons why. <laughs> like, like these last two games, we've said it going into each one. Like, hey, there's good reasons before this. I mean, two 30-point losses, you wouldn't expect him to have paid his price, right? right? So I don't know. I mean, and the Brooklyn one was mostly his fault too. He went one for 10 from the field with four turnovers. So uh, maybe he's contributing to it on some level. But nah, I'm playing Blake on DraftKings. I, I think... The price has come too far, and you're just going to need to to go for it there. I think. Yep, I think I'm I'm totally with you. I'm fine with it. I think this will separate the people that understand short term variance as opposed to like long term just career numbers. Yeah. And I think I hate to say this, but it, this really to me signals whether you understand this or not. Like if you to understand, like mm-hmm. if you're going to complain about Blake Griffin, to me, it's just a straight up signaling that you just don't understand what this is about. And by this, I mean DFS and pricing. Um, inefficiencies and things like this and short-term results as opposed to what the reality is and so you can at me or whatever but um, like this is it's, it's like it's so it's it, it to me it's like it's so beyond obvious that I'm already just like sort of mentally fortifying myself to try to continually explain this to people that don't and so I, I, if I'm if I'm spending if I'm being long-winded about it I'm mostly just getting my own emotional um, baggage correct and set to just go into chat this tonight and just explain to people why the, the irrational hate for the guy is um, is ill-conceived. What about, could you see doing my favorite thing in the world, stacking him and Drummond? on Drummond's only 8,800. I mean, that's a joke of a price, too. I'm going to get to the Lakers. We're spending a lot of time on the Pistons, but I think it's relevant here for these for for, for purposes that we're going to need for the rest of the slate. But Drummond, Reggie Jackson, I mean, these guys are right now almost to a man showing up in all of our DraftKings lines. Reggie Jackson's on the 4,300. Uh, thoughts on these other two guys? I know I kind of lumped them together. No, yeah, I mean, you can, I have different thoughts about either. I think Drummond is definitely playable at this price point, especially when you consider how he'll match up against the Lakers' cadre of centers here. I think he's totally playable. Um, <laughs> just you and the, these Pistons guys, it's like that one friend of yours that always, like, is a little over-eager about the stock tips from time to time. It's like, I got a system. What, dude? <laughs> is, yeah, exactly. The price is down on that stock I was telling you about again. I'm a penny. It's down to six cents a share. I'm I'm backing up the truck, you know? but, but I think it's actually appropriate here. So I tease, but I think especially on DraftKings, where the price, you know, DraftKings algorithm for whatever reason is just overcorrecting on these guys, and uh, FanDuel's isn't really. So FanDuel eighty four hundred for Blake, ten thousand for uh, Drummond. You can get away with not doing it there, but on DraftKings, I think it's it's something close to a must. Um, Reggie Jackson, I, I'd be curious to know what your where your enthusiasm comes from there, unless I missed some news about him taking on more minutes or something because I know that Detroit writ large has had some issues, but Jackson just seems like you just don't need to force it. But um. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, first of all, he's cheap. He's 4,300. And sort of like Blake, I believe that the plan is to play him in closer games, something like 27 to 29 minutes. I know that doesn't sound like a lot, right? But um, he's part He's part of this. He's part of this Pistons group that's just been through an inordinate amount, an inordinate amount of just weird game scripts. Like, so that you can't look at these recent minutes and just project these are what it is. The last games that I would consider to be close were he had he had 23 minutes in the Chicago win. Although the Chicago ended up sort of coming back near the end, and he was 10 for 18 from the field. Like he's still taking a lot of shots. He's taking 13 shots a game over the last couple months. And if you go back to when they had the run of actual close games. It was 29, 27, the, there was a blowout with 23, 35, 31, 29, and then 27, 33. Like, I think the minutes are not 24 to 25. I think, and I think if you think it's 27 to 29, like that's your sort of like mean expectation, that 4,300 on a guy that takes about 13 shots or 14 shots per game at those minutes 
is kind of a, an easy play to me. Uh, against and again too, it's against a Lakers team that's completely horrendously garbage on defense. So um, it's more, it's a price and opportunity thing on Jackson and forty three hundred. What about? Are, are we glad that I was flipping? I mean, we spent a ton of time here on the Pistons, but do, are we glad that the Lakers game is the early one? Like, could you see LeBron sitting in this? He's on injury reports at speculation that he's questionable on the back-to-back because he did play 33 minutes last night. This could be 32 minutes against Toronto. Could you see him sitting tonight? And if so, where would we maybe land? Like, would we end up stacking a lot of like cheap Laker guys? Because like Detroit's still a decent sure. matchup. What do you? What are your thoughts here if we end up hearing news that LeBron's not going to play? Yeah, I think if you get news that LeBron isn't going to play, then you start stacking Lakers as many as you can get. Figure out who's starting. Like you said, it's a 7 o'clock game, so you should have that information. And if he plays, then uh, the whole team's a write-off, I think. Uh, I think he's playing still just enough minutes to pee in everyone's soup over there. And he has enough usage that, uh, yeah, in a fine matchup, but not a great matchup against Detroit. Also a team that's just totally in shambles and generally a ruin. I wouldn't be bending over backwards to play these guys. Yeah, uh, so I'm, again, we're glad that this game is the first one on the slate because I yeah. think we'll have the news in plenty of time. Another game that has a lot of fantasy relevance here, Chicago, uh, Chicago geez, I've said CHA, that actually stands for Charlotte. Charlotte goes in and plays Washington. Washington three-point home favorites. This game has the second highest total on the slate. I gave Bradley Beal a 35% assist upgrade, <laughs> and it's still kind of like not in the realm. It's, it's just starting to get to where um, he's been in the short term with his assists. It's a, a, Mark's the biggest upgrade, a, biggest short-term upgrade I think I've ever given anybody in the system, and I think it's correct. And for some reason, DraftKings just dropped the price on him. He's ninety-five hundred on, on DraftKings tonight. I do. Are we looking at just a Bradley Beal complete and utter chalk night? Um, it seems like this is about the easiest play ever on DraftKings. It feels like they just made a mistake with his price. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you know FanDuel's price of ten eight probably reflects more of what Beal's been doing recently. Uh, people have even been willing to dabble higher in good matchups. So, yeah, I think he'll be absolutely unanimous chalk on DraftKings. On FanDuel, people will play him too. You know, the the going north of 10000 hasn't scared a lot of people away from him. I still question whether he's going to ultimately land as an $11,000 player, but is he a $9,500 player? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, the, and the numbers too. Like, it's really crazy to see a mid-season shift in numbers like we've seen from Beal. It makes sense. It wasn't one-to-one when Wall went out. There was some sort of, like, feeling out process about what the Wizards wanted to do with John Wall. Like, there was Sadoransky, and he was kind of running more of the point. But essentially, Beal's basically the point guard now and is averaging, I mean, not a triple-double, but 26, 8, and 7 over the last, I don't know, 10 games or something like that. That's those are, those yeah, are, Beal's, those Beal's are, like, how hard is this? Do you just go ahead and pass to people and then they make baskets? Like, this is easy. Plus two and a half, <laughs> steal, two and a half steals a game. Like, the, the, steals, yeah. the steals numbers are great, too. These guys are the guys putting up superstar numbers right now um, in terms of fantasy. Uh, we were probably a little late to the party on him, and I feel not bad about it, but it's just, um, if I'm being honest, I just, I, I, I was probably slow to make some of the corrections that was sort of staring us right in the face early on. But we've had too many examples of where those things end up disappearing. This has yeah. not been one of those things. Um, he is, he has sustained that level of production. And so, yeah, are we a day late or two on Beal for sure? And I think that he'll end up being a pretty chalky play. Uh, what about other guys here in Charlotte? I'll run through the injury news and we can discuss about what we think this does. Cody Zeller is not going to, is doubtful to play tonight. Willie Hernan Gomez did start the other night was the minimum, was not all that good, but wasn't terrible. Like, his stat line didn't look great, but he kind of did a little of everything and got him there. He's coming near the minimums on DraftKings. He's really cheap on FanDuel as well. Great matchup against Washington. Where do you think, what do you think about him? And then they're getting a little healthier at the wings with uh, Marvin Williams coming back. Any thoughts here on Charlotte? 
Yeah, Charlotte's kind of been funny with these cheap guys that have randomly just shown up and started playing big minutes again. I think Hernan Gomez is playable. I think he's actually a pretty interesting uh, just pure punt on FanDuel, too, with some pretty interesting pay-up options today. Uh, that's kind of just where I land. Charlotte as a whole, I mean, you know, to, to their credit, they've been trying to stick with this recipe of play Kemba as many minutes as possible and give him the ball as often as possible. It hasn't exactly been working. Like, they're they're one of these teams in that bottom of the East that's really been falling off a cliff, when going from owning a playoff spot to now being, uh, I think it's two and a half games out. Um, but Kemba's going to be pretty tempting. Two, on two games out in the loss yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, Kemba's going to be pretty tempting on FanDuel. I mean, getting him down to 9,200, he's coming off 40-10-7 against Houston, right? So I think it's at least a conversation we're going to have to have. Yeah, Kemba went completely lights out against the uh, Rockets. That was the only reason that game wasn't an utter blot. They still kind of got blown out, but <laughs> the only reason it was they didn't lose by like, like 30. They were, lose, they were getting crushed at halftime. I think they were down by 30 or something like that at halftime. The only reason was he went just parabolic with um, the shooting. You kind of need that to happen for him. This is the matchup that he could do it to. Washington is not a good defensive team. They have no rim protection at all, which helps him because he does drive to the basket a lot. And so when you're they're rostering guys like uh, Bobby Portis at center, um, guys like Kemba can get you know around the perimeter and into the lane. So it'll, I, I'm interested to see where his ownership lands. Last question on him. We have him at 37 minutes right now. Do you feel like that is correct? Because... The only reason I ask about the very specific minutes at this point is because the difference between like 37 and 40 minutes for Kemba is probably the difference of him being in some lineups or every lineup, right? So like every, because this this one is, this one's going to end up being close. Like 39 minutes, does that seem too crazy on Kemba? Just, you can give me that quick answer and then we can move on. Yeah, I was actually going to say 38, I think is the number that came to mind. Um, seeing him play 40 against Houston. And it really is just straight up do or die time now. There's no more room to rest him for anything <laughs> like if he if right. he doesn't play they don't really have a chance he's just so much of that offense so yeah i think 38 seems like the right number yeah 38 39 i think it's going to land too and i think that's going to push it close I, this this is sort of shaping up to be a night on both sites of probably not paying top dollar for the hardens and the giannis of the world i think we're going to get enough value on some of these other these two games specifically or these mid-tier to lower to the upper middle excuse me lower upper tier uh, pricing guys like Beal, like Walker, like Blake, like Drummond. I think that would be enough of these guys to sort of round out lineups. And I, by the way, I think all these guys have crazy upside too at these prices. So I think that I'm kind of glad that I'm not seeing some of the Hardens and uh, and Giannis's and uh, LeBron doesn't count of the world right now because I think that's where our lineups are going to end up landing. Sure. All right. uh, we spent a lot of time in these first two games, so we're going to spend some less time on some of the other ones going forward. But Kings go in and play Philly. Kings essentially out of the playoffs now. You mentioned that the West is all but locked up. They're five games well, yeah. five games back with four from the loss to the Clippers. Uh, last, the Kings got dealt a tough loss last night to the Celtics. It probably wouldn't have mattered. They did move uh, Bijalisa into the starting lineup over uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I suspect they keep him there. I, I don't really know. They are nine-point underdogs to Philly, who's getting Jimmy Butler back. Any interest in any of the guys here, or are we starting to look at Kings throwing in the towel on the season? I'm not really sure where we land on their minutes. Uh, and then we can talk a little about Philly. I don't think the Kings are going to like give up or anything. They still have a chance to finish over 500, which is a meaningful milestone for a lot of teams. I, I don't think you want to trust it entirely, but I still think, yeah, they're not going to just like start resting everyone and call it a season with 15 sure. games left to play or whatever, right? So uh, I think you do I still have to be concerned, though, about the 9.5-point spread here. Uh, going west to east is always a little bit difficult for teams as well. So And Philly just being a, a strong defense, I don't know that you need to try and play any Kings or anything. 
Yeah, uh, that's probably where I land too. I mean, like, again, like moving the moving Beasley into the starting lineup is meaningful, and he wasn't exactly cheap either because he was playing a lot of minutes off exactly. the bench. Uh, the other thing too is small forward on on Fanduel specifically is a real real problem tonight. I can see taking a drop at this position. Like guys like Harrison Barnes at fifty five hundred are showing up. Otto Porter is showing yeah. up at seven thousand, even though they're getting Levine back, and we've accounted for that. I struggle to find two or three guys to even write up at small forward. I did write up Barnes and Beasley, so um, and I'm not with sort of the caveat of I'm not really excited to play, but I didn't want to leave the position blank. And then Philly gets Butler back. He was he only rested last game. He wasn't injured. The the stronger they get and the healthier they get, it just really drives all their fantasy production sort of into the ground, at, mostly because everyone was already priced up with Embiid having sat for so long, and now they're just uh, and now they're just healthy. So I'm not sure from a cash game perspective how excited you're getting for that game. Uh, though I will say that Philly is still incentivized to keep winning for playoff seating here. All right, Milwaukee goes in and plays Miami. Um, Milwaukee, they just kind of, I don't know, they just don't really need, they, they can kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit. I, they're, two, they're still two and a half games up. I think they still are incentivized to win. They've had almost no problem winning for the most part over the short term. Any interest mm-hmm. in Giannis here against a Miami team that runs pretty slow? Or I, I'm struggling to see it here from a cash game specific perspective, but maybe you're seeing something I'm not. I'd rather not. I think the upside from night to night is around 35 minutes. Uh, this is a drum we've beaten many times, but not all minutes and not all you know average minutes are created equally. There's no real... This game isn't particularly meaningful. It'd be really hard for the Bucks to lose the first seed. They probably still want it. They can't just sit Giannis altogether or anything. But 31 minutes out of Giannis should be more than enough here. Uh, if he winds up playing 33, you're happy. 35, you'd be ecstatic. But I don't think for like you can just look up and down the game log and see how many times 33 minutes has been worth value on these prices, and uh, you'll see that that's not very often. So interesting big tournament play can obviously pop off on any given night across you know stuffing the stat sheet across all five categories, but. Nah, for cash games tonight, I don't think that's where you want to land. And I think with Miami, we're most, it's a terrible matchup against uh, Milwaukee, first of all. Milwaukee's just yeah. among the best defensive teams in the league. They're just a great team in general. And with Miami, even in the best of matchups, you're typically waiting for some kind of injury news to help you out. Like, you know, Whiteside. I mean, Whiteside's moved to the bench, but you know, a guy like Whiteside out, or they're missing a couple wings, mm-hmm. so you can b- bump guys like Winslow or Josh Richardson. But that's really not the case for them right now. So uh, both these teams right. getting healthier. I this game has a pretty low total. I don't think we're going to see all that much ownership. Houston is a 13-point favorite against the Suns tonight. Do we want to set the Rockets at blowout minutes here? Because um, Harden's a guy, you can make a case for Harden almost any night in cash. Now, I will say that the shooting has kind of fallen off a little bit of late just from an efficiency standpoint, which you probably could see coming. This We're getting late in the season. This guy's had an unbelievable amount of usage over the course mm-hmm. of the season. Do we ch- sort of get let off the hook maybe tonight that there's a 13-point spread and we can set these guys at blowout minutes? Or could you say that you know Phoenix is hung with enough teams that maybe that's not the case and the spread is maybe built on something that maybe isn't there? What are your thoughts on this game? No, I'm trusting the spread here. I think Phoenix is like, they get the feisty tag, which is usually some code. It kind of come, first time I remember hearing it is in baseball, which means like you're bad, but then like yeah, David X was like feisty. Yeah, exactly. Like the guy was like, yeah, but you're small scrappy. And bad. Exactly. Didn't do anything. But he was like, yeah, sure, <laughs> exactly. scrappy. I guess was the uh, And that's kind of how I view the Suns. Like they've won 16 games this year, right? They sure maybe they've hung in a game here and there, but they're a really, really, really terrible team. And uh, it doesn't. And by the way, worst point differential in the. Or sorry, second worst point differential in the entire NBA. So I don't want to go overboard giving them too much credit here. I, I think this the Rockets blow them out. I think again they're interesting. It's always interesting to stack both ways for the Rocket or for, uh, against the Suns because they do have some guys like Devin Booker that 
if they stay close, you know exactly why. So good big tournament stack for cash games. You're taking on a lot of risk here. Yeah, that's kind of where I land. I, guys like Booker, guys like Aiton can keep them in the game. If you think that's the case, then this is a great yeah. tournament stack. You stack Harden and Booker together, I think. You stack Harden, Booker, and Aiton together. Especially, too, Tyler Johnson's questionable right now. If he were to sit, then um, I think I'd be a lot more interested in Booker as well because I think he would just strictly move to the point. You'd see maybe some more out of Bridges and Ubre. I don't think they would bring it too much like the Melton, the Kobo thing. I'm not even sure. The Kobo maybe be the G League. Um, th- I don't think you'd see too many meaningful point guard minutes out of those guys. I think you just see more Booker. Um, and I think, yeah, makes almost the perfect tournament stack, especially on a night where I think you're going to see a lot of chalk around that Washington and Charlotte game to pivot into the blowout game for a game stack makes a ton of sense to me uh, for, for GPP purposes. And then like, I think maybe throw in a Capella there as well. Uh, but really for cash, I think you're, you're probably playing with fire if you think you can totally, totally, totally avoid a blowout here. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to discuss the last three games on the slate. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, Portland goes in and plays the Pelicans. I wrote a bell for Peyton, man. The guy's triple-doubled two, both of the last two games. The guy is the consummate just garbage time fantasy guy. Like, you can't put him on a good team at all. He's a disaster. He's, he's not very good. But on a team like the Pelicans, this is the perfect way for this guy to try to get paid because he can he'll, he'll, you'll look at his stats and it'll look like he's just in this incredible point guard. He's kind of getting expensive, but... They played him a lot of minutes. I also wrote up Frank Jackson, playing him a ton of minutes too. Frank Jackson's also taking a ton of shots. Stacking these two points, stacking the Pelicans point Let's guards. Go. Is it is it in the cards today? I, I I made a strong case for Peyton's a little expensive with some of the other guys, but Frank Jackson, the guy takes just taking like eighteen shots a game or something like that, like some crazy crazy <laughs> amount for the Pelicans. What are your thoughts here on uh, on New Orleans? Yeah, what's well, funny? So Frank Jackson's basically a shooting guard. Uh, so that's part of the equation here. And is he a $5,000 shooting guard, you know, it's we've seen a lot of like pretty decent players with pretty decent pedigree struggle to maintain prices north of that uh, based on how shooting cards can be used sometimes. But yeah, right now, Peyton seems to be finding them. So there's this terror duo in the backcourt, Peyton Jackson, you know, uh, taking on whoever each night. Uh, <laughs> just trying to picture them as like the TNT game of the week and it's Peyton and Jackson. But yeah, so Peyton, on the other hand, is expensive, but also being used in a totally different way. I don't think you want to trust 10 plus rebounds, but you don't have to go back very far here to see six, eight, seven, six, eleven. He seems like a seven rebound a game guy when he plays 32 minutes, at least with his current effort levels. So I think I would be ready to play both, and I it doesn't seem terrible to me at all. The guy's always rebounded the position really well. It's not That's what I mean. like he's been a good. He's a good fantasy player. That's what he is. He's a again. He's a bad real life point guard. You do not want him in your team. But if you want to win a lot of games, but from a fantasy perspective, the NBA is chock full of these guys. And 
this like, when you give him 34 to 35 minutes, he can. I, we only have him at five and a half rebounds, and I think we probably haven't done enough to maybe sort of correct the fact that Davis plays a lot less minutes now. And so um, it's always weird with these like middle. It's like a middling on court, off court query because like while technically Davis is on the court. You almost want to give it like half a query because he's only playing 21 minutes a game instead of the 40 or whatever that he was playing earlier in the season. So it's like he should Peyton should be getting more of a bump, but we haven't maybe we haven't done we haven't done it probably correctly in terms of like just getting how many minutes he's playing without Davis. So I guess that's probably where some of the rebounding comes in. I don't know if it would make him a definite play on FanDuel. That's because he's just very still very expensive at 7600 on DraftKings. I guess it becomes a little bit closer. Uh, I think he's like in the low 7000s. There, let me look. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, 6,600 on DraftKings. So it gets a little closer there, especially, too, when you start looking at uh, double-double uh, and even triple-double bonuses on DraftKings. Peyton is one of the few guard kind of guys, sort of along with Beal, that can get into that zone. Usually you're talking about power forwards and centers that you're getting the double-double bonus on. Uh, what about Portland? Seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Great matchup against the Pelicans. I mean, outside of Lillard, I, I'm not sure I want to do anything here. And I think that I'd rather play guys like Beal and Kemba over Lillard, even you know at their current price points. Any thoughts here on the on the Blazers? Yeah, the Blazers are just a team, a good you know, kind of the bane of the DFS world, where they're a good team that plays their guys sensible minutes very consistently throughout the whole season. And by this time in the year, to a man, these guys are basically overpriced, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, not to say that you you can't find those glimmers, those good games where they put up and pay their price and so on. But on a night-to-night basis, I'm certainly not looking to play them. Yeah, uh, I guess Anthony Davis is questionable with rest right now, so we'll see where that goes. Drew Holiday and yeah. Antoine Moore are still out. Um, I'm not sure we have that news. Pelicans have been a disaster with injury reporting this season. There, there are some teams that are very good at this. Toronto is a good team at injury reporting. Um, i trying to think of other good ones. There are there are good teams. Pelicans, I would rate as the bad team. They do not they do not do this well. Correct. You never know. OKC is kind of bad at this as well, too. But um, Luckily, they just haven't had as many injuries. All right, final two games. Knicks go in and play the Spurs. Damian Dotson is interesting. The guy has played kind of a lot of minutes come hell or high water for the Knicks, although they have kind of been able to stick in games. He's really the only guy that I would sort of trust on a night-to-night basis from the Knicks, only because it seems like they want to play him. Though I will say they are sort of daring you at Dennis Smith Jr.'s price uh, on both sites right now. He is, yeah, 5700 on DraftKings, and I think he's even cheaper on on FanDuel, let me look it up real quick. Yeah, he's fifty five hundred on on FanDuel. Are we? Could we make a case for thirty minutes worth of Dennis Smith at fifty five hundred for cash, or just maybe just being a little too speculative at this point? Uh, you can make a case for it. There's no doubt about it. I guess like that case is going to have to be grounded in the assumption that Smith's minutes are going to totally be there, uh, which I don't think you can necessarily make based on the recent track record. Uh, you know rough games against both Indy and Minnesota. And again, like if you're comparing Smith to Alfred Payton, for instance, because you said you'd like to play Jackson, I'd rather pay up and take what I presume to be the safety of Payton. Uh, I think, you know, you can point to game script things with the Knicks for all time, but I'm not so sure we don't have game script issues here with San Antonio's 13 and a half point favorites and the Knicks openly tanking. So I would really rather not play Smith for cash. I think you get. I think you can be confident in Smith's thirty minutes. You can't be confident he's going to play any more. I say thirty because he'll play thirty even if they get blown out. I think, but you're not going to play thirty-five or something like that. And then on San Antonio side, guys like Aldridge are sneaking in and around Fanduel at a tougher power forward position. And I think I'd rather be pretty bearish on his minutes as being such a huge favorites here. I, he'd be one of the first guys I think that would lose minutes. I think I'd rather just take the six hundred savings, go to Blake on Fanduel at least, and 
call it a day, even though it's gonna be, even with the vitriol, even with the vitriol. Any, any reason you can find Blake to play Blake, you will. I got it. A hundred percent. I told you, you're 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 a complete and utter donkey if you don't play Blake Griffin tonight. Do you right. see him in college? Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, final game. Chicago goes in and plays the Clippers. This is a game's two hours after this game's the final game of the slate. And it's two hours after the, all the other games. So um, hopefully, mm-hmm. no injury news comes from this. They looks like the Bulls are going to get Zach Levine back into the mix. We had seen some nights of Laurie Markkinen and Otto Porter sort of chalk. I think Levine coming back probably is enough to lower those guys a little bit. Give me your thoughts on that situation. And then, I mean, the Clippers, they start guys, but then Harold and Williams, Lou Will, kind of come off the bench and play more minutes. Give me some final thoughts on this game before we get out of here. Yeah, so, uh, well, just on a high level, to, for starters, I'm realizing as we've gone through that there are five games tonight that have, I'm sorry, four games that have double-digit point spreads. And then this game has a nine-point spread. So this might be a night, too, where prioritizing games like the Charlotte-Washington game, if you can, uh, or like, you know, the Milwaukee-Miami game, that that geez, that game doesn't have any good plays. But <laughs> maybe the Portland-New uh, Orleans game might be pretty sensible because I'm just seeing blowout risk essentially across the board here. So, uh, I, you know, and on nights like that, it can be tough to worry too much about it because it's like you're just basically picking and choosing which games you think will be blowouts. And I don't think you can probably consolidate to all the tight point spread games as I was reading that aloud. Uh, so, yeah, you've got a nine-point spread here. Uh, you have one team in the Clippers that... We've been pretty hesitant to highlight for DFS purposes, uh, even when guys have availed themselves as reasonable DFS plays like Lou Williams. Uh, the price has shot up immediately uh, to the point where you can't even play him anymore. I think you've seen on the Clippers anyway, just a sea of guys that are too expensive based on their average production over the course of the season and then going the other way in the Bulls. Um, you've got something of a, a little bit of a cooks in the kitchen problem with Levine coming back. So I don't know. It's not a game I'm overly enthusiastic about, but as we've gone through this entire slate, I'm realizing that we might have to, you know, be in an old beggars can't be choosers sort of position and be like, hey, you know, if you can get a an auto porter type at 7,000 or, you know, just somebody from this game to kind of fill in some of those gaps, uh, whether it's Gallo or Lou Will or somebody, then maybe you just have to do it. I think you speak to why, at least on DraftKings, you're going to see really pretty heavy chalk on, the, on Kemba, right. Beal, Drummond. I'm going to throw Blake in there because I think he's going to be pretty highly owned. Because I think people yep. understand this. I think with Hernan Gomez, if we get him listed as a starter again, we'll be there too. And I think all of a sudden that's five of the eight plays that you need to make, right? And so I think that, um, and and it and it all avoids the situation that you just mentioned with the blowouts going the other way. So I think, I I really think we're going to see again a really heavy ownership on DraftKings out of those at least probably five guys. It's probably a little closer on FanDuel though. Kemba. Yeah, probably the same group. Not maybe Drummond, because I think people try to choose between maybe Willie uh, Hernan Gomez and Drummond. But at least Kemba and Beal, I think, will be will be highly owned. And then people will be deciding between like how much they trust Alfred Payton and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, I think that basically covers it. DFSR.com slash NBA gets you started on our premium projection service powered by our good friends over on Lineup Lab. So go check that out. You can get a free trial to test it out. Jump into our members-only chat room. Talk basketball, hoops, hockey. Really, everything's going on there all day long. Uh, so good. that's part of the premium subscription as well. MLB right around the corner. We've got a bunch of articles going up, uh, betting some different uh, over-unders for the season-long wins. So go check that out, and we'll have projections up as soon as opening day. Prices are released, and that's coming, like I said, pre- that's, I can't believe it's like two weeks away. So a lot going on here in the DFS world, dfsr.com slash NBA. We'll get you started, buddy. Enjoy your Friday night in hoops. Thanks, man.
Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Can your fixed income stand the test of time? Markets change, but the role of fixed income shouldn't. That's why for more than 40 years, MFS has stayed true to our traditional approach. We call it essential fixed income. Find out more at mfs.com slash fixed income.